Hello, everybody. It's good to see you. I am excited to be here, and so are you. I can tell, so it's awesome. So uh, we are all on the same page, so great to see you guys. Happy Father's Day. Um, fathers are important, and any time that we have some sort of holiday that's built around someone in the family, um, it's hard. It's hard. Um, there are, are positive things, and there are negative things. Uh, Whenever you think about fathers, some of us have had fantastic fathers um, who adored us and brought us up and taught us great things. Some of us um, have had horrible fathers or even fathers who've been absent um, or passive. Uh, Some of us, you know, have not had great experiences as as far as fathers go. And, but, but on the other end, some of us have had great, great, fantastic fathers. Fathers, and so, so when Father's Day come around, there's uh, this whole um, there's this whole bunch of different feelings that that come about. Some of us have fathers who have passed on, and they're not here anymore. So it's sad and it's sorrowful, and 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 so why don't we say Happy Father's Day? You know, in a situation such as church, there's a ton of people feeling different things um, because. Of, truth is, is that fathers are important. You know, for those of us who have had great fathers on Father's Day, we celebrate because they're important. And for those of us who have had, had bad fathers or absent fathers, it's hard because fathers are important. And so we feel that gap and we feel that hole. And furthermore, as fathers, oftentimes Father's Day is hard because being a father, sometimes it's hard. Um, you start to evaluate who you are, the things you've, <laughs> the things that you've given your kids. Did I give enough? Am I enough? Who am I? And so this day that's built around fathering, it's tough. I remember the day that my son was born. It was phenomenal. I was like, he came out, there he was, and and to me, he was the most beautiful kid in the world. He was. But he wasn't. He was really ugly. <laughs> and so I remember him coming out and just telling everybody, he's so beautiful. He's so, look at him. I mean, are there are other kids just like this? No. <laughs> like, I remember like, ah, and I was so excited. Everything was different. I'm going to be different. I'm a father. I'm a father. And so the excitement turned into terror, right? Turned into terror. Like, oh no. And then, then two days passed and being at the hospital was phenomenal. Like being a father at the hospital, they bring you by chocolate chip cookies. Um, they tell you how awesome you are. You're going to be a great dad. And then after two days, it's time to go home, but they don't tell you anything about being a father. They don't tell you anything about the baby. They don't even show you how to change a diaper. And, and here we are about to take this kid home and I like fall apart. I'm like, I can't do it. I don't want to take him. Can we keep him here? And it was just this, because in that moment of you're a father, you are, there isn't an instruction book that comes with this kid. And the questions that come, do I have anything to, to, to offer him? Do I have, um, 
Do I have experiences that I want to bring him up into? How good of a husband am I? How good of a job do I have? Will I be able to provide? We call it, you know, and all these, you know, are the sins that I have going to be transplanted on him? You know, all these things of am I good enough? Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Those are the things that I thought about going home when my son is just a few days old and it doesn't get any better as they get older. It compounds and gets bigger and you start to see yourself feel inside of your kids and, and parenting. It is really hard. I have seen some of the most phenomenal parents here at Christ Community Church. Christ Community has some of the greatest fathers I've ever seen. And I am so thankful for the fathers that go here because I have copied you. I have copied the things that you do here because I didn't know anything about what I am doing. On the second day after I brought my son home, uh, uh, really, I was falling apart. I felt so insecure. I didn't know up from down. and, And he just cried. He cried all the time. Babies cry all the time. And I remember just thinking, I can't do this. And, and we bought this swing that's supposed to calm your kid. Because I was told it will calm your kid and they'll stop crying. And so I go to the store and I buy the super expensive swing because it has to work. And then, but I can't figure out how to put it together. And... and has this thing, like, I, I don't have enough sleep. I'm feeling bad about myself. There's a swing. It's the answer to all my problems, and I can't do it. So I call a friend of mine. His name is Tony. And I call him, and I say, Tony, help me put the string together. And he came. He came to my house, and he's all happy and peppy. And he's like, how's it going? How's having a kid? And I was going to tell him, it's great. It's phenomenal. But I just sobbed. And he held me. <laughs> and he said, I totally understand. From that point on, the people at Christ Community have held my hand, have taught me things, have, 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 they have schooled me on how to be a father. And I am so thankful for you. And so today, I am going to teach you the top three things that I have been taught by Christ Community about how to be a good father. So although we're focusing on being a father today, the things we're going to talk about applies to everybody, okay? The biblical truths that are here, they apply to everyone across the board. But whenever I prepared this, I had the idea of being a father at the forefront, right? So to do the teaching today, I'm going to talk about the patriarchs of the church, the fathers of the church. And whenever we talk about the fathers of the church, the patriarchs of the church, the Hebrew people point back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? So today we're going to talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the things that they can teach us about what it is to be a father, and how the gospel empowers us, encourages us to be who we truly are. So the story begins in in the book of Genesis chapter 12, 
Abraham. Abraham is like the first person like directly called by God to change. Abraham, he is such a famous father in the Bible that he has a song that we all have heard that that is talking about him being a father, father Abraham. And he had many sons and many sons had father Abraham. But the truth is father Abraham hadn't always been a father. He also had been a son. And so, so as a son, Abraham was born in Babylon. Babylon came from the, the idea of Babel, the, the tower of Babel, that, that defines who Babylon is. They are people who are always trying to be God, get to God, triumph over God. And Babylon, during the time of Abraham, they had tons of gods. And each god had idols that depicted that god. Abraham's father, he was an idol creator, right? He created idols and he had a store that he sold them at. That was his job. He created idols so people who had problems or they wanted to change things, they would come to Abraham's father's shop to buy some sort of idol of a god of Babylon. So it's kind of like, you know, I would have a problem. I go in and I say, here's the problem that I have. And then then they say, well, here's the answer. Here's the idol. So Abraham was brought up to be the expert on all the gods of Babylon. That's pretty interesting to think that the person who was called to, to be at the forefront of the thing that God was doing, he was brought up kind of in this shop that created idols, that created the answers for people's problems. So there's this Hebraic story of whenever his heart began to change, and he began to see that this doesn't make any sense at all. So as the story goes, Abraham is there at the shop by himself. Someone comes in and has this basket of bread that comes in and says, here, Abraham, give this basket of bread to the idols. So Abraham takes this basket of bread and then he takes a hammer and then he crushes all of the idols. And then he puts the hammer hammer inside the hand of the, the huge idol that happens to be there on the shelf, but all the other ones have been crushed. So that then his father comes back to the shop and he sees the idols and he's furious. And he says, Abraham, what have you done? And so Abraham says, I can't put anything past you. And then, then he goes on to explain Someone came and then took this, he gave, this person came and had this basket of bread, handed it to me and said, give it to the, the, the idols. So I gave it to the idols and the idols, they, they each said, I'm going to eat the bread first. And then they got angry at each other and started fighting. So the bigger idol took the hammer and crushed all the other ones. And the father responded, who do you take me for? These idols can't think. And then he said, exactly. And the Hebrew people tell that story as the time that God began to change the heart of Abram. 
And from that point on, God called him out of his father's household. That's where the story of Genesis chapter 12 begins. God calls Abram out of his father's household. The term household is a very profound term. It, it just doesn't mean house. It means his identity. It's his blessing. It's his inheritance. It's his curse. It's everything that his father had prepared for Abram, God called him out of it and said, come into my household. And God says this over Abram. He says, go, go from the country of your father's household to the place that I will show you. I will make you a great people and I will bless you. I will make your, your name great. And you will be a blessing. Then I will bless those that you bless. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on the earth are going to be blessed through you. And God calls Abram out to be different from the place that he grew up in. He called him out of his father's household. This is the first point that I want to talk about today as far as the thing that God empowers us with how to be a good father. First of all, you're able to change the path that you're on. You and I as fathers aren't cursed to be on the same path as our fathers had been. We have the opportunity to come out of our father's household, to come out of the path that we have been on or we feel destined to become, to follow God into his household. I don't care how fantastic of a father that you've had. God is the ultimate father, and he calls us forward. The ability to say, I can change. I don't have to be like this. God empowers me. The gospel changes me. My heart is different because all of us have been in that spot at home. The kids are screaming and things are out of control and something comes out that you go, oh my gosh, I sound just like my dad. It doesn't have to be like that. But there are so many times that we feel like we're on this path of, and we can't get out of it. This is the beginning. God calls us forward. You are on this path of beauty and change and challenge for all of us. The gospel at its core changes hearts, changes paths, changes journeys, and puts us on a place towards him, towards fulfillment. So Abram, he goes after God. He leaves his father's household and God blesses him and gives him a son. And so his son, his name is Isaac. And Abraham is so excited about Isaac because he's his son. And we're always excited about our sons. <laughs> They're great. They're a blessing. And so as he gets older, God does this thing that is perplexing to all of us, but it isn't perplexing to Abraham. God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son. And for us, whenever we approach the, this part of the Bible, whenever God in Genesis 22 says, Yo, Abraham, I'm going to ask you to sacrifice your firstborn son. It's like, whoa, you know, like, what are you 
doing? God, what is up? Here's the passage. So it's going to pop up here. And so as a congregation, let's say this together. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and located, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he sent out for the place God had told him about. When they reached a place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. So just pause, pause a little bit, think about this story. So Abraham has a son and God asks him, take him on top of this huge, huge mountain, bring firewood, you are gonna sacrifice him to me and then you're gonna set his body on fire. How does Abraham kind of respond here? He goes, yep. Why? Because he's from Babylon. Abraham is from Babylon. And these are the gods that he's accustomed to. The gods of Babylon, human sacrifice, and furthermore, the sacrifice of the firstborn son, this is what you do. This is common. This is is what fathers are asked to do all the time. And so whenever God asks Abraham, all right, it's time to sacrifice your firstborn son. It's like, yeah, I know. And he does it. He obeys it. He takes his son up the mountain. He ties the bundle. He puts his, he binds up his, how does he know how to do that? And he binds up his son and he has a dagger and he's about to come down right through his chest because that's what the gods asked for. But then God says, stop. And God provides a sacrifice for Abraham. What is happening here? As Abraham is following this unheard of God, this unknown God, he was the expert on all the gods except this one. And Abraham is brought on this journey that he knew until now. And in this situation and in this story, this is God saying, I'm not like all the other ones. I'm different. I won't ever ask you to sacrifice your own. I won't ever ask you to make such painful decisions. I will do that. I will provide for you. I am the God who fights for you. I am the God who paves the path. How much different is the upbringing of Isaac than the upbringing of Abraham. Because the story of God from the perspective of Isaac is different because that's what happened to him. He was on the altar. And then he grew up having this experience firsthand with the angel of God calling out, don't touch that boy. 
How would you feel about God knowing that he protected you, that he paved a path for you, that the hand of the, you know, like this is amazing compared to the upbringing of Abraham. It is cool how generation to generation our experience of God grows and our understanding of God grows. The person of, of who Isaac is, he, he's famous for tons of things, but the thing that he is absolutely, you know, most famous for is he's the one who carries the blessing. Isaac carries the blessing because he has been blessed. His father was pulled out of Babylon. He is the father of all the Hebrew, you know, like Isaac carries the blessing. And in Hebrew culture, the idea of blessing is so much more than just blessing. You know, I want to bless you. Here's a, I don't know, something. It's to, to bless someone, to carry a blessing. To carry a blessing is to speak seeds and breath and hope and the, the things that you speak are going to happen. In Hebrew culture, the, the, the idea of the people that are being blessed are going to be blessed and those who are cursed are going to be cursed. That's the blessing of it, of it, of it. Abraham that got passed down to Isaac. So this idea of the blessings that you say are going to happen. How differently would each of us bless people if you actually believed they were going to happen? And so Isaac believed and his kids believed and everyone believed that the things Isaac was going to say will actually happen. In Hebrew culture, to pass on a blessing is to pass on your inheritance. It's to pass on part of your soul. It's to pass on your heartbeat. It's to pass on your identity, your imprint, especially from a father to son on his deathbed. It's who I am, who I have been, my story, and the, the story of my household is now yours. The blessing and the story of, of Isaac doing this blessing in Genesis 37, it starts by saying this. At the age of 40, uh, the age that Esau had been, dot, dot, dot. Or Esau at the age of 40, dot, dot, dot. It's important to say this. Esau was at the age of 40 whenever this story began. Because whenever I think about the story of the blessing and Jacob and then, then Esau and they're fighting for this blessing, I see them as teenagers. Like they are 17 or 18 and, and they are fighting to be on top. The story begins when Esau is 40 years old. And Jacob, his brother, is probably around the same age. These are grown, grown men. They're almost over the hill, right? They're almost over the hill, and they are fighting over their father's blessing. This is important for those of us who are older, and we are fathers who believe that because our kids are 18 and they've gone out of the house, that we actually don't have a whole lot to offer them anymore. 
you carry the blessing. And furthermore, so many of us at the age of 40, at the age of 50, at the age of 60 and 70 want the blessings of our fathers. I know so many other guys who are older than I am who have this huge hole in their heart because they are dying for, for, for the older people in our church, the older people in the community, the, the, the people who, who hold the blessing, the imprint of God, the things that they say will happen and, and take fruit and grow just for them to say it. So those of you who are the older fathers here, who are spiritual fathers, you hold the blessing. For those of you who are fathers of teenagers, teenagers are dying to be spoken into, to carry your imprint, to hold your inheritance, to hear that you believe in who they are. Your words matter. Those you bless are blessed and those you curse are cursed. Sometimes the things you don't say are the biggest curses. What would it be like for you to understand that you carry the blessing? It's a beautiful thing. Abraham, Isaac carried the blessing and Jacob and Esau, their sons, knew it and they fought over it. And so, so as the story goes, it's pretty funny actually and I don't, do not think it's cool at all. You got, got Esau who's the oldest son. He's 40 years old. Then you have Jacob, who's the second born, and he wants that blessing more than anything on the planet. He wants the blessing of his father, understandably so. So he tricks his brother, he takes the blessing, he puts on clothes that aren't his and puts on hair on his arms and he pretends to be his older brother because his father can't see anything. And so he goes into his father's tent as his father is about to die. And then his father thinks he's his older brother and he prays a blessing over him. And here it is. Okay, everyone. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and the earth's riches, an abundance of grain and new wine. May the nations serve you and the peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who you curse be cursed, and those who you bless be blessed. And this is a thing that the boys fought over and struggled over and argued over, and they split up after this because this blessing was so huge. The blessing of those you curse be cursed and those you bless be blessed. May the things that you say actually happen. Here's the thing that, 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 that I often think about as far as we were talking about the patriarchs of the church. Like these are the fathers of the church, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob is interesting. Like if you really think about him, like, like he stole something that was not his he desired his father's blessing over everything else, and he cheated his brother for it. And then he dressed up in his brother's clothes. 
<laughs> pretending to be somebody else to take something that is not his, an identity that is not his. If a friend or an acquaintance tried to pretend to be somebody else to inherit something that kind of isn't theirs, are they respectable? No. But it happens all the time. As people, we often dress up and we pretend to be other people. We often take things that aren't ours, so we build our identity as someone who isn't actually us. The story of Jacob is so interesting to me because I think he is so insecure. The story of Jacob and who he is as a person is based around insecurity. From the day he's born, he's trying to find his place. From the day he's born, he's saying, who am I? Who am I? Tell me who I am. Tell me who I am. Tell me the thing I do. Tell me something I'm good at. Tell me who I am. And so he steals identities that aren't his. He takes blessings that are not his. And everything is upside down for Jacob forever. And he is not at peace because following this blessing, everything falls apart. Him and his family fall apart. He's at odds with everyone because he's so insecure. And he took the identity of Esau. I am so insecure. I often try to be other people. I always ask, who am I? Tell me who I am. What am I good at? Especially as a father. I have no idea who I am as a father. And it's hard for me. And so the character of Jacob, I get him. I get him because I often want you know, other people to validate me. Tell me who I am, what I do, how do I do it? Tell me I'm good enough. Tell me I'm valuable. And this brings us to the story when he's getting older, he's of age. So Jacob is older. He's probably 70 or or 80, and he comes to this place, um, this place you know, of his story that he says, this thing between Esau and I, it's bad, and it's time that there's healing. And so he takes his family, and he goes to pursue peace as far as going to Esau to talk about things. But, but on this journey, he comes to this time, kind of as people often do, and he says, I have to have some space before I go there. So he sends his family ahead of him. He sends his family ahead of him, and then he's tired. He sets up his tent, and then he falls asleep. Then the most profound thing happens. Here it is. Here we go. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But the th th he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Penel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So here's a story. He sends his family ahead of him, says, 
I got to have some space here. This is a huge thing that's about to happen. He sets up his tent, and then this guy comes, and he fights with Jacob all night long. And in this fight, can you just picture that? I mean, this is odd. There's this guy and Jacob and they're fighting and they're punching and they're pulling ears and hips and heels and this whole thing. And so so the sun's about to come up and the guy goes, let me go. And then of course, Jacob, who's so insecure goes, no, not until you bless me, right? Not until you bless bless me. And then God, because that, that, that's who this is, he punches him in the hip. His hip pops out of socket. And then he says, Ooh, tell me your name. And then Jacob says, it's Jacob. And then God says, it isn't Jacob anymore. It's Israel. And the, the very name of Israel, it means struggles with God and people. And he was blessed by this. Why? Because as people today, the idea of fighting with God or struggling with God, this is a bad thing. But for the Hebrew people, this was the biggest blessing that you could possibly have. God valued Jacob enough to come down and fight. And as guys, there's this time that you get that because things aren't easy. And Jacob fights with God all night. And then he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And God does. The Hebrew people tell this story every time they're talking to their kids about how you approach the Holy Bible. They say every time that you approach a scripture, you approach it like Jacob approached God. You grab a hold of it. You fight with it all day, all night. And if it tells you, just let me go, you say, no, you have to bless me first. And that's how the Hebrew people teach their kids how to approach the Bible. It should bless you. It should hurt you. It should punch you in the hip and you should hobble from it. It's an experiential thing. This is a blessing to struggle with God. In fact, it's such a blessing that the blessing of Abraham came to fruition through Jacob. And all the people, all the blessing that Abraham was promised, the children of Abraham, they are called Israel, the people who struggle with God. They take pride in struggling, in the arguing, the debating, the the closeness, the our arms are intertwined and you're pulling my ear, God, ouch. They take identity and purpose and joy in this. And it comes through Jacob. As fathers, it is okay and encouraged to struggle with God. You're supposed to. Whenever your family is out ahead of you, Struggle with God because things are not as easy as we think it is. Things are not as clear. It is okay to fight and struggle and say, please bless me. So the things that the patriarchs of the church, the things that we are taught, first of all, what would it be like 
if we didn't have to follow in our father's footsteps? What would it be like if God is calling us out to follow him? What would it be like to be people who carry the blessing? You as fathers carry the blessing. And what would it be like to be encouraged to struggle and to fight and to to pray on behalf of our families and our kids? What would it be like? And these questions are important for, I've been dying to, to ask these questions to you because these are the questions that the fathers of Christ community have asked me. These are the things that they've taught me. It doesn't have to be like this. You don't have to be your father. God calls you. Do you know that you carry blessing in the palms of your hands and the things that you say come to fruition? They do. What would it be like if you were encouraged to be tangled up in the realities of God? You are. And this is why fathers are important And this is why fathers are important. No matter how old you are, no matter how, if your baby was just born and you're freaking out or or you are old and about to die, you are on your own journey towards God. You carry the blessings of heaven and earth in your hands. You are born to struggle and fight and be entangled in the realities of God. And you are a blessing to all those who who you encounter. You have blessed me. And I am thankful for the journey that you as Christ Community Fathers have been on. I've been taught by you as you've experienced firsthand the gospel of Jesus Christ that has changed you. And for that, I want to say thank you. I'm proud of you. I'm excited by you. And as we as fathers are journeying together to answer these three questions, what would it be like to follow God's fatherhood? What would it be like to carry blessing? What would it be like to be encouraged to struggle? I am excited to be a father here at Christ Community, a part of the thing that you all have taught me. So that being said, because I have been blessed by, by each of you, I also want to pray a blessing over you. Um, so I'm going to ask the fathers here to actually sit and then for everyone else to stand up. And so we're all going to pray a blessing over the fathers here in our church. You don't have to be a certain age or anything. You just have to be a father. And then, so if you're able to find a father and gather around him, and so we we will all pray together over him kind of as I lead. Sound good? All right. So please pray with me. Oh, Lord, we thank you for our fathers who are here in our church. We thank you for the paths that they pave, for the courage that they embody, for the truth that they hold. God, please be in this blessing. Fathers of Christ Community Church, may you be as Adam being fathered by God inside and outside of the garden. May you be like 
Noah clinging to the truth of God in times when it all seems forgotten. May you be like Isaac, understanding the power of profound blessing. May you be like Jacob, finding peace in the struggle. Fathers of Christ Community Church, may you be like the prophet Moses, who trusted God in the daunting and impossible, guiding people out of out of slavery. Fathers of Christ Community Church, may you be like the great prophets who speak truth no matter what. Fathers of Christ Community Church, may you be like John the Baptist who points to Jesus Christ until your dying breath. Fathers, may you be like the Apostle Paul, advancing the truth of God's kingdom forward with everything you do and say. Oh, Fathers of Christ Community Church, may you be like Jesus Christ. And may you pour out your heart, your compassion, your commitment to your friends and your family as Christ did for his church. And fathers, my prayer for you is that you will stand tall, be courageous, be proud in who you have been, are, and are becoming because you are a son of God, the King, who is on the throne and who has called you and blessed you and given you his name. May you know who you are because God knows who you are. And may you stand to praise him. Fathers of Christ Community Church, happy Father's Day.